0: This is The Parent Perspective, a podcast created to help parents and carers support their children in making more informed career decisions with greater confidence, knowledge and understanding. In each episode, we will share your experiences of navigating career conversations with your children and provide insights into how the world of work is changing from trusted experts, organisations and employers already working with young people today. It's time for Your Perspective Count. Hello, welcome back to The Parent Perspective. My name is Steve and I'm your host today. In this week's episode, I interview Mark Smith from the Early Careers team at the BBC about the opportunities they offer for young people. And Anna Morrison returns to ask Sky apprentice Maddie and Dyson graduate Russell about their experiences of joining the world of work straight from school and after graduating from university. Don't forget to share your questions for us to put to our team of careers experts. Click the link in the show notes to record a voice message with your questions. Hello, Mark. How are you today?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for uh, inviting me along. I'm quite excited to talk to you, actually.
0: How about we start with an introduction to yourself and your background?
1: Yeah, so... um, so Currently, I'm the resourcing specialist for BBC and uh, BBC uh, Early Careers. So we look after everything across graduate programmes, placement programmes, apprenticeships, year in industries, internal staff uh, schemes as well. Um, And uh, I've been at the BBC for about a year and a half. And prior to that, my career across early careers, so specialism is about 10 years. So I've worked in early careers recruitment for Seven Trent Water, running there. Uh, apprenticeship programs uh, across the West Midlands you can probably hear that in my voice as well Midlands based Um, but also uh, the engineering consultancy Atkins um, and uh, a Rolls-Royce business that was originally called Aero Engine Controls uh, but is now a Rolls-Royce company and I've specialized in early careers pretty much across all of those businesses so a mixture of engineering technology journalism people making telly and radio in production um, marketing professionals all sorts of different types of careers. Um, So, yeah, very lucky to have such a broad, I guess, a broad specialism in early careers.
0: Could you give us a little bit uh, more information about your role at the BBC? So you've mentioned early careers there. Some people listening might not even know what that word means. So what do we mean when we're talking about early careers?
1: Um, So it's really for the BBC, Um, entry-level roles so roles where you'd be joining an organization in um, I guess what we're traditionally called junior positions you don't tend to use junior anymore Mm -hmm. um, but sort of entry-level roles um, at organizations but for me specifically it's entry-level roles that have some training or a scheme attached to them so the entry-level roles that I look after will either be linked to an apprenticeship so Mm -hmm. it will be a role that has a learning provider linked to it and we're offering training which includes qualifications or um, sort of other sort of uh, elements of training and development, which are, are linked to the 20% off the job apprenticeship requirements that we have in the UK for, for those. Mm-hmm. Um, or there'll be trainee programmes or graduate programmes that have a set piece of training provided by the BBC. So for our graduates, for example, it wouldn't be a learning provider that provides the training, but it might be the BBC Academy team, or it might be we have um, sort of project management training or technical training or things like that that the BBC have designed in order to help somebody start their career.
0: And what are the different programmes that the BBC offers for young people?
1: So the big four areas are journalism, production, design, engineering and technology and business. Mm -hmm. Um, So probably no big surprise working for the BBC. There's journalism. Um, Journalism is probably the flagship scheme. And if you're looking to be a journalist in the UK, the BBC is usually on your radar um as somewhere to join. Um, for journalism, we actually um have a mixture of different levels of entry. So I guess so when we're talking about how you can join, we've got um what we call our journalism apprenticeship fast track program, which is for people that maybe have a passion for journalism but don't really have a lot of experience before. They haven't um done any work doing their NCTJ sort of journalism qualifications or anything like that, but they want to start a career in journalism. That's our fast track program. Right. Um, so they creative people interested in telling stories that want to reflect uh, their ideas and stories across the uk that's the fast track program right um, that's our entry level but we also have our journalism apprenticeship uh, advanced now our advanced uh, apprenticeship actually replaces our grad scheme we used to have a graduate program um, but the graduate program um sort of was a mixture of training um that was provided by the bbc but it didn't then have that longevity uh, sort of like uh, an ongoing piece of training you sort of do the the couple of months training as a grad and then you're in the business as a journalist yeah with the growth of higher level apprenticeships we were able to um, replace the trainee scheme with a two-year training project as part of the advanced journalism apprenticeship including um the recognized nctj qualification to level seven so it's actually you get up to a level seven or a master's level equivalent i guess is the best way to describe a level seven qualification so it's actually more than what the original graduate program was yeah um so that's journalism it has changed there is the entry level route but also this level seven master's level equivalent that that sort of is suitable for you know suitable for people with a graduate background um as well um so journalism is there production is people making Content generally for us. So, people making television or radio or costume design or all sorts of things. It's our sort of making things programs and they are quite broad. So, we have people that make um, television and radio across the production apprenticeship, again, Fast Track, which is entry level into those roles. Uh Um, And that's across the region. So, we've got Fast Track entry for production in England and in Scotland um, this year, and we've got ones in Wales which include um, both uh, opportunities in the English language and the Welsh language. Ah. Um, you can also do things, this year we haven't got any positions, but we um, also have positions in Gaelic, sometimes in Scotland too. So those production roles um, can be a mixture of uh, different roles. So it's why they vary slightly because we use different learning providers for Scotland and Wales as we do in England. So they varies ever so slightly with the qualifications, but mm-hmm. all, all entry level yeah um we do still have a graduate role for production trainees so you can be a grad and join us um after doing grad studies or equivalent so if you've done BTEC higher level b or you've done higher level apprenticeships like you've done your fast track apprenticeship with us and you want to go on and do the advanced roles so we can do those and um, we've then got people that sort of are in the background of how we make this stuff so that's sort of television and radio production but then you've got things like broadcast operator trainees so people that are managing the broadcasts going out to the public. So it could be learning things like camera operation or um, sort of technical operation of the equipment and managing technical equipment in television. We've got uh, electricians. We've called it the multi-skilled technical operator. It's an electrician. It's an advanced electrician qualification where you'd be working on sort of lighting rigs and setting up outside broadcasts and things like that. Um, So again, if you've sort of done entry-level electrician qualifications, you can come on and then come and work at somewhere like the BBC. Yeah. Um, and then you've got production management so that's actually doing all the management costing budgeting how do we um, organize these kind of um productions to make sure that they're actually going to happen it's not just the content creation but how we actually do that um, and again entry level roles and advanced roles for people that maybe worked in production already if you've yeah. worked in theater or radio or telly and you want to go into a management role we do those too um mm. i'm going to speed up a little bit for you because i know there's quite a few there's those engineering schemes so Broadcast schemes, so again, um, working with systems, broadcast systems and system integration. Broadcast engineering, So the actual technical equipment. You can be an engineer um, with sort of mixed skills with engineering, I guess, in broadcast. So some electrical, some mechanical, sort of a bit of a a mixed skill um, in their systems and technology. Um, We've got a huge growth in software engineering for the BBC, working on products like BBC iPlayer and BBC Sounds, supporting BBC Sport. Uh, over the next few weeks, launching the Euros to make sure that iPlayer streams still work. So software is huge in the BBC, both for graduate programs and apprenticeships, actually, um, and postgraduate apprenticeships. So you can come and join us and do master's with us there. We have user experience opportunities, so working and understanding how people use stuff, why they click on stuff, how we should design it um, at apprenticeship level, grad level. Um, We've got research and development teams um, that are, again, Looking at how people interact with different things, so um, people that work in R and D tend to have technical backgrounds with things like software, or psychology backgrounds in understanding how people think about stuff, and they tend to work together in this R and D function in the in the virtual, you know, in the labs world where we kind of, but how people think about stuff and how people use stuff, we work those teams together to create products um and that will be everything from the things that we use every day like like bbc iplayer but also things like bbc bite size and children's and how they interact with you know how children might interact with products interesting um, as well um and then we've got our business schemes so our business schemes again mixture of entry-level uh, apprenticeships to degree apprenticeships and master's level apprenticeships for accounting and finance hr business management digital marketing legal, um, data analytics, audience analytics, all of those things. And again, huge range. You can start um, from you know those entry-level apprenticeships where you don't have any experience through to you might have done uh, another apprenticeship somewhere else and you can join and do your next level with us. You can come and do um, graduate program level with us or you can go on and do master's level equipment. It's huge and most people tend to look at the very small bit which is you make tele and radio or you make the news. So all of those other schemes that I've just gone through in the back end of the BBC, they form like 70 percent of the schemes that we run. But we tend to talk about, you know, the top 30 percent in journalism and production more than we talk about all of those um, there. So it's good for me to be able to talk about those extra schemes, too, because that's what helps the BBC work and how, how it runs.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that. And I would suspect as well, like the, one of the things that people may not take into account when they're watching all of the amazing things that come out of BBC productions is that they are in different locations. So to be able to produce them, you probably need local talent or talent that's able or willing to move and knows that actually this isn't a job that's going to be in one fixed place. So where how does that work in terms of where your vacancies are available? Are they just based around um big cities like London, Manchester, Birmingham or are they all around the UK?
1: It's a it's a great, it's a great thing. And I think what you will see from the BBC is there are always big uh, hubs of work that happen within broadcasting. So London and the BBC—it you know, is a hub of broadcasting, as is uh, Media City in Salford. Yeah, um, you've got the the offices that we're, that I work in birmingham Birmingham. Um, you've got the Natural History Unit in Bristol, and those kinds of areas. But I think what's most uh, important to rec- recognize with the BBC is actually, yes, they're hubs of activity, but the BBC recruits across the whole of the UK. Because the audience is across the whole of the UK, right? We are the audience of the BBC. um, And we want to see content that represents where we live and who we are and what we um, expect from the BBC and what we pay in our license fee. Mm. And I think the BBC, more than ever, are in the place where we're going. We want to connect with people that are using BBC products where they live.
0: And I suspect that's probably going to mean that there's going to be a lot of competition for roles. Have you seen an increase in um, demand for the schemes that you've got available?
1: Good question. Do you know what? We actually have um, sort of changed the recruitment cycle we're in for this year because we were impacted slightly by COVID. um, And we wanted to make sure that everybody that's on their current schemes have the opportunity, particularly when they're making content, where they've had reduced set crews and reduced sort of, People in the offices we wanted to make sure they have all those experiences so we um actually delayed the september 2020 intake um, and put all those new numbers into some recruitment we're doing for this year so there's actually going to be new roles in september 2021 so this this autumn and actually a big intake for january 2022 a january start date and potentially then start dates for september and and onwards as well so it's september 2022 is probably going to be just as busy and back to back to where we hope we will be before uh covid as well but um 2022 is a big year for the bbc it's 100 years of the bbc
2: mm-hmm. so
1: we'll also be taking probably the biggest intake of apprentices graduates placement students um, that we've ever we've had for years in our hundredth year and it's super exciting
0: You've got so many different programmes there, and different opportunities that people might not necessarily know about or think were available um, through the BBC. And what I've loved listening to you go through those programmes there, that there seems to be a good range across all the different apprenticeship levels. Is there is there anything that you could give for parents in terms of advice of how to how to pick the right apprenticeship level, for example? Because you've said that there's a level seven there that's a master's equivalent, but somebody might be looking and going, well, I didn't want to go to university. So why would I apply to a master's equivalent?
1: Totally right. And you know what? Somebody said to me a few years ago, they went, I'm looking for an apprenticeship because I think I'm done with school and I'm done with going to uni and I'm done with all of this stuff. And I went, picking an apprenticeship isn't um, the easy route. It's not the easy route at all. You know, it still comes with um, college commitments. It comes with, you know, um, coursework. It could potentially come with some exams. It could potentially come with other things as well. So I think one of the the misconceptions about apprenticeships is it's the easy option or it's for people that aren't right for university or it's for people at the bottom end of the, the class. It's not at all. Apprenticeships are another alternative to higher education which is what they are they're not the easy option at all and I think the level system is actually not quite as clear as it could be and, and I think um, particularly at the BBC at the moment a lot of the, well, the apprenticeships that we offer for 18 plus so we're looking for the A-level leavers that are you know writing their UCAS statements and they're ready to they, you know they're ready to go either to uni or into employment um, and we're sort of in that target market game role. We, we want to offer you employment, but it comes with this educational element as well. Yeah. Um, and it isn't, you know, you are going to be partnered with either a, a college or a university. You might have to travel and do some, you know, some kind of uh, uh, college days. You might have, you know, there's mixtures of training that can be offered. And it's a mix at the BBC too. You could be on block learning. So you go to college for um, two or three weeks as, as a whole time. So you're not in work at all. And then you come back to work for, for a block of time and then you're back or you could be expected to do sort of one day a week where you're logging into virtual lectures and you're listening to your training and those kinds of things so I think the the variety of different types of apprenticeship training can be confusing because you're going am I going one day a week is it block learning is it you know do I have to travel will I be put on residential accommodation by an employer because Previous employers I've had have recruited from across the country and trained at one learning provider, so they put people up in hotels for weeks at a time. Yeah. And it's a big variety in this market as to what employers can offer. Um, and there are things for, for people that are straight out of school, 16, 17. Um, I think at the BBC at the moment, we're looking at new ways of how we can do that. And another sort of thing for the market that, that again, again, is adds another layer is T-levels, which are are going to be the technical level similar to the A-level equivalent. And um, some of the first ones for 2021, 2022 will be broadcast ones. So the BBC are currently looking and examining where T-levels will form part of our offering. We're not quite there yet. Mm. But again, I think for parents, it's another thing going, well, what does this mean now? How do T-levels fit into apprenticeships and college and uni? And the answer is we're still sort of looking at some of that as 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 an employer base anyway, and we're looking at where it will fit. And it will be interesting to see whether it's a T-level or an apprenticeship or whether T-levels will lead into apprenticeships. And I think there's still a bit of a mixture. So it is confusing for parents. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, Uh, yeah. And and, um, I think for employers as well, we feel a little bit sometimes going, we want to make sure we've got the best opportunities in the market. But equally, I'll tell you what, Steve, interestingly, if you're looking to change your career, this is an option as well. You know, if you've gone on and maybe, you know, we'll start maybe at grads and you go, you know what, I've done this graduate um, programme, but actually I've seen an opportunity that that I'm really interested in. I want to go into journalism or I want to become go into marketing or I want to go into technology, but my degree isn't related to that. You know, apprenticeships can be a way to sort of change career. You could be coming back to work after a period of absence and you could be going, you know what, I want to change something and I want to do something different apprenticeships are an excellent way to sort of change your career and do something different people that leave the armed forces um again wanting to find a new opportunity in um maybe accountancy and finance or business or you know maybe work as a lawyer and work as a you know something like that you know um and people you know um returning parents people like that there's these kinds of things i think as a market and i'm as guilty as this anybody else we talk about our target audience about 16 to 25 it isn't at all there isn't an age limit on uh apprenticeships um in the uk um and, and in england so um you should we should be mindful of the fact that actually it also opens doors to to people that maybe just want to do something different with their career and i would massively encourage um people that maybe have you know maybe are sort of in that place where they're going a bit too old for an apprenticeship aren't i you know what have a look what's out there. There's some really interesting opportunities with employers that maybe you never thought of before. Or you thought that employer's not for me. Um, people people say to me all the time. You go, the BBC wouldn't, you know, want somebody like me. And I'm like, if you think that, we probably do want you. If you think <laughs> the BBC don't want you, we're probably the people you want to we want to hire. So you know, it's exciting in that respect because it's it's also. Um, opening doors to people for new careers. And I think we've talked about early careers. We've talked about future talent. We've talked about new careers. It's, you know, where do I want to start something new and I want to be involved in something new? It it does that too.
0: Yeah, it totally does. And I agree with you on the the age part there. Um, It's something that... um, even I look at right now, I went to university and even I've looked at apprenticeships at some points and gone, Do you know what, that'd be a really good way for me to reskill, to start a new career, to have a solid foundation in something. Mm. I think going back to what you've been saying about some of the challenges around perceptions of apprenticeships, some of the conversations I've had with parents in the past have been uh, voices of concern and worry about actually, well, A degree means that you have a lot of learning and that you've got like lots to be able to bring into the workplace and apply what you've learned whilst you've been at university. I always argue that apprenticeships do even more of that because they give you the on the job element of it as well. So you don't have to wait to apply the knowledge that you're learning. You're very much hands on and you could be learning something one day and then implementing it the next day.
1: Totally. And I think with the rise of degree apprenticeships, and I don't want to focus on them too much because I think there's so many good apprenticeships that that aren't degree apprenticeships, but degree apprenticeships as a whole, you know, you are still partnering with a university or university college provider to get the degree, but you're also working, as you've just said there, you're gaining the degree that you, um, potentially with the same university you might have even applied to, whilst having employment, whilst being paid, whilst um, being able to engage with um you know your employer and their you know their their sort of networks and those kinds of things as well the staff networks that are available to you as an employee um it's it's incredible really that um you know that that these apprenticeships and these degree apprenticeships are able to give you sort of the degree and the working experience what is different is it's not the same as going to university It, it, it isn't um but it does give you the site you even know, if it's qualifications and things that you're looking for you will be able to experience those things and get an employment experience at the same time um which I, which i think is fabulous but what i was talking about recently was actually this feels differently depending on where you live in the uk in england and for years i'm i've, I've said this for years as well in england for recruiters like myself it's easy to go apprenticeships are a great option because university is very expensive you know you're taking out student loans, and although those loans are um, something that enables people to go to university, you go. Do you know what? It's quite. Exp- you know, it's nine thousand pounds a year. If you're staying away, it can be even more expensive, um, and it can feel uncomfortable. Although it's a debt in a very different way, and I wouldn't discourage people from going to university if it's their dream, because it tell you what, it's great. I yeah. think both me and you probably were uh, our uni grads, right? Yeah. Um, and I loved uni. I, I absolutely loved uni, and I wouldn't discourage anybody from wanting to go to uni to follow that opportunity and do that. But I would probably say it's different for me and you know, that there is more options now. You don't have to go to university to get some of these qualifications and experiences. Um, but it's different if you live in Scotland. So in England, I might say um, you've got these fees and it's nine thousand pounds a year and those kinds of things. If you're a Scottish student and you're in Scotland and you're looking at the opportunities for university in Scotland. Actually, that's not the same because they are more follow the the, the EU model, which is you go to university and those fees are, are, are not the same. They're not yeah. the same in Scotland. So if you're um, a student at, at between 16 and 18 in Scotland, you going, well, actually my options are a little bit different to maybe what employers are talking to me about, in, that, you know, they've gone out with their England, England campaign. It doesn't sort of hit in the same spot because, you know, we probably do lean into the fact it's a very expensive thing to go to uni actually go to uni if it's the right thing for you totally do it but i wouldn't you know the same for people in scotland across england in wales in Ireland. have a look and see what the options are for you because it might be the case you know it is very different in scotland and the university options are different and that um, university is still the right move but the apprenticeship provision in scotland is brilliant there's some really great apprenticeships being provided in Scotland, some really great apprenticeships being offered in Ireland and in Wales. And again, I think because employers and because employers have a, um, obviously lots of big, big offices in England a lot of the time, you'll probably get a similar kind of story that, 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 um, that doesn't maybe necessarily translate as well as it should for mm-hmm. Scotland and Wales and Ireland. I hope that the BBC are trying to, to sort of do that differently for our, for our students that we'd encourage to apply. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what's different. Um, when you start to look at, you know, actually, what are my options? You know, uni- university absolutely still might be the right one. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, and it's and it's totally different based on where you live. So mm. when you're talking about regional differences and those kinds of things, absolutely, even with England, it's different. But um, it is it is really interesting to see, um, you know, what options are available to you where you live, and and, and um, you know, you might be. I think most people would be quite surprised. I
0: agree yeah I know I know that when I was um recruiting um accountant students into accountancy on an apprenticeship program and versus the graduate program at the same time a lot of the conversations I had were not necessarily about finances kind of overall but that that's something to take into consideration Like, and if you actually take the steps and plan out a five-year journey say and go right okay well this is how much I would earn as a minimum, mm-hmm. as an apprentice over five years, because you know you start in salary. So if you mm-hmm. multiply that by five, you should your wages shouldn't really go down. <laughs> so you should know that that's going to be. And then you map that against um, the the debt that you would accrue, and it starts to become quite apparent as to a pro of going down that particular route, which makes it something that you might um, sh- shift your attention back towards. What kind of advice would you give um, to parents to? Um, that are looking at apprenticeships, traineeships, internships, graduate programmes as to how to um, find the right option for their kid?
1: It's a really great question. And I think for me, it's have a look at the range of things available, because it's, it's much more broad than, than most people are. particularly, you know, as, at the, as we talked about at the BBC, people go, well, you want to be a journalist if you want to work making telly, go and work for the BBC. Other than that, we're not quite sure what you could do there, right? Mm. Um, so have a look what's genuinely available. The other thing that I think is quite important for um, a parent's perspective, and a question I get quite a lot, is what happens after the apprenticeship? I, I, are they going to, ha- you know, is my child going to have a job? What happens? You know, do they have to then go out into the the, 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 the wide world? Anyway, and the answer is mixed, depending on the employer, I think. Um, so for the BBC, um, we offer um, what we call continuing contracts, which are permanent contracts for uh, all of our apprenticeship programs, other than the production schemes, which are fixed to the apprenticeship programs, because the way you make television and the way you make radio is based on uh, in the way that it's made. It's made on rolling contracts. So you could mm. be working on strictly come dancing. That's the piece of work that you're working on. Then you move on to another production. You could be going to work on dance you could be working on this. So the way that production works as an industry is the way that we reflected the apprenticeship contracts and the graduate contracts that we have. Right. And for everything else at the BBC, we actually have these permanent contracts. So it is actually a continuation of role within the BBC and you stay at the BBC. That's mm-hmm. what we would, you know, this is for the longevity of the BBC. We want to retain people at the BBC. We've gone to all of this effort to go and promote these schemes to hire these people and find different, you know, different creative ideas and all of these things. The last thing we want to do is, you know, two or three years later go, thank you so much. Good luck. You know, people, the BBC we want to retain and, Um, people and I think you'll find it's based on different employers so if you're looking um, as a parent and going well is this apprenticeship right it's worth looking at is this a a fixed term apprenticeship contract is there opportunities to stay at the end of the contract is it a permanent contract those things can be quite important for parents I think to say well actually what happens next I think those are important Um, I think it is important and we can't shy away from salary to make sure the salaries are right and to make sure the salaries are um, suitable and, and you know that we are actually enabling um our apprentices to to have you know a fair a fair a fair salary whilst they're training um and again um working for the BBC I'm very confident in the play, in the way that, that the BBC is able to put um very competitive apprenticeship market market salaries out there and which are above the national living wage um but again if you're a parent and you're looking at um apprenticeships that maybe are on the you know base level apprenticeship salary and those kinds of things you can just make sure that those are the right decisions that you're making the right um, training choices and um, if the training providers are offering open days virtual open days things that you can go and see where the training's on offer go and attend them it's like looking around a university campus it's the same as looking around a college when you're looking at you know colleges available for your for your um, six form education the apprentice learning providers tend to offer open days, virtual open days that you can go and have a look around. Mm-hmm. So if you know if you know the employer, so the BBC work a lot with Ravensbourne University, I'd go and check out them, have a look what they're offering, have a look what other employers they work with, those kinds of things. Great thing to do because it's what you would do if you were looking at universities or colleges. you go, well, where am I doing my training? What kind of reputation do they have? You mm-hmm. know, what kind of employers are they working with? I would encourage people to do that. Yeah. um and for um other other elements i would say is where you are offered opportunities to um talk to people that have done those uh programs before where they go come and speak to our graduates come and speak to our trainees come and speak to our apprentices and ask them the questions that you want to to ask
0: mm-hmm. as, ask them yeah
1: you know as recruiters we're paid to say it's great I'm under no illusion that my job at the BBC as Head of Early Careers Recruitment is to say early careers at the BBC are the best place to be. But I would encourage anybody that was coming to look at work at the BBC, talk to people that work here, talk to people that do different jobs, talk to people about what, what they like about it.
0: If people were to ask um, maybe people that were on the apprenticeships or graduate programmes at the BBC why the BBC was a good employer um, to work for, what would be some of the answers that they might say then, rather than what you would say?
1: Yeah. So again, you know, I I truly believe the best way to find out about working somewhere is to ask the the employees. I think we're very lucky that we have such a range of different opportunities. People people join the BBC for so many different reasons. People join the BBC because they love making local content. And I think if you talk to people that are working, um, you know, at their local radio station and the content they're creating for people like them in their local area, that's what they like about the BBC. People that get to work on BBC Sounds. They love working in the music industry. They love being able to create content. They love they love radio. You know, people who work in software engineering like the challenge of creating a um, a piece of software or supporting pieces of software like BBC iPlayer that impact everybody they know, literally everybody they know. You know, from uh, nans and grandads, mums and dads, you you and your mates in the pub, whatever it is. You know, it's a piece, it's a product that everybody can interact with. Um, if you're working in HR at a company like the BBC, it's being able to support people with all sorts of different, you know, training and elements, and you know, you're supporting people that maybe are on international secondments or you know, we get to support um, all you know all sorts of different teams. You know, the variety of teams you would support as an HR advisor um, at the BBC. I think that people join the BBC because they have um, sort of a, pas- a passion, I guess, for Uh, content or media or you know a passion for public service because a lot of what we do is public service and I think the the flip side of it and I know what's really interesting from a parent's perspective I guess for this podcast is likely that the parents listening to this are the license fee payer so they're the person that pays the BBC the license fee right and our next generation of license fee potential payers are the audience that we're looking to recruit you know they're they're the audience that are going I don't know if I actually watch anything on the BBC. Uh, I might listen to Radio 1. I might, you know, do that. I'd used a bit of bite Size, maybe or, you know, but they're going, I don't listen to any of the other BBC radio content. I don't listen to, I don't watch the BBC live on television anymore. Linear television is dead. Um, You know, I don't trust the BBC News. Whatever it is, BBC News, I don't just, these, you know, we've got, we're going from, um, you know, generally, and I'm generalising, a target audience that probably, aren't yet or only just starting to, to be responsible, you know, to, to pay the BBC for a service. And they go, yeah. well, actually, I don't know what I get for this. And again, that's really important for me as a, as a recruiter in this market and going well, actually I want to show you what the BBC do. I want to show you what that is for and where that, that goes. And, you know, the BBC of all the employers that people talk to probably end up in the papers as much as, as any employer can, you know, because the BBC can be quite um, a diverse um conversation between people and say well actually you know you have people that the, for the hundred years of the BBC and see the BBC as a, a public service institution you have people that look at the BBC and go well actually they've been around for a hundred years but how much have they changed in that time are they still relevant to me mm. are they represent? Are they representing me on Shetland and Orkney are they representing me in Leicester are they representing me in London still you know um, what about you know Belfast do, do do young people in Belfast link to the BBC so we're in a really interesting place where, do you know what? Again, if, as, as a parent, you're going, I feel like I know what the BBC is about already because I'm a, I, I pay the BBC for a service and I might use it a lot. Or I might not use it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have an opinion on the BBC already. And again, that, that um, thoughts and those, those things that parents feel about a certain brand, like the BBC, can influence whether you would look into it as an opportunity or not as well. And I totally get it. You know, the BBC is a service that, that is provided across the UK and not everybody's going to have the same opinion of the service. Um, but I think it's, a, as an employer, we're almost, not totally unique, but in a very small group of employers where, that, we, that we would have that kind of experience. Um, I'd encourage, you know, I'd encourage people specifically for the BBC to have a look at, at what, what we do as an employer, but then for any employer that sparks your interest to do the same. Yeah. You know, have a look what they really do mm. and, and try and understand where that interacts with with the world and how that interacts with the world because you might be surprised um and, and and again you might not realize that they do that thing
0: yeah that's really good advice and I think that's a good place to um finish our conversation up there mark And thank you so much for sharing um, all of that great information about the BBC. If um, parents listening, I want to go and learn more and start finding out all of those different things about the programs. Where's the best place for them to go?
1: Um, So we have a couple of places that I recommend. So we do have um, our Twitter feeds, Twitter feed and Instagram feeds, which are at BBC get in. So getting is, is the brand for us. Um, for our web uh, brand, we are bbc.co.uk forward slash careers. So it's uk forward slash careers. Um, and you'll see all of our amazing content, which this year is uh, all linked to hashtag you make the BBC, because it's all about actually the people that work here. It's individuals that make the BBC.
0: Yeah,
1: You'll see all of the you make the BBC stuff on, online.
0: Fantastic. I will put that in the show notes so that everybody can uh, go and have a look. Um, thanks again for your time, Mark, and um, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast soon. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Mark. And if you're interested in finding out more about the opportunities for your child at the BBC, then you can find a link in the show notes. Next up, Anna Morrison returns for a conversation she recorded with Sky apprentice Maddie and Dyson graduate Russell. They discuss the reasons they chose the career pathways that they are currently pursuing and their advice for parents like you trying to work out which pathway is the best option for your child.
3: Welcome to Russell and Maddie, who have joined us today to talk about their experiences of accessing the different programmes that they are on and what it was like for them when they left school and moved on to their next choice. So first of all, Russell, thank you for joining us. If you would be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself that would be wonderful.
2: Thank you, nice to be here. Hi my name is Russell, I am a computer scientist at Dyson at the moment and I went through the routes of uh, through to school, GCSEs, A level and then straight into uni. It was always what I wanted to do and I I considered other routes for a while but I, I was always pretty set on the path I chose.
3: Thank you, Russell. And Maddy, if I come over to you, if you could tell us a bit more about yourself and the role that you're doing now.
4: Hi, my name is Maddy and I'm on the TV production team at Sky Sports News. So my role is that we will write all the scripts that the the presenters read on air and also edit all the picture that you see on the television. Um, So a bit like Russell, I took my A-levels. I got through to Sky on an apprenticeship scheme, uh, which is a two year scheme and was really life changing for me uh, to now have this full time role. Thank you. So, both really different roles that you're doing now, really uh,
3: different pathways on leaving school and kind of what you've decided to do. So, Russell, computer scientist at Dyson, what is it that you do?
2: Yes, so uh, there's lots of roles within computer science, but the one that I'm doing at the moment is uh, cloud engineering. So so you've heard of the cloud and um, storing stuff in the air, and it's all about how we can communicate between devices. Uh, So how does the phone talk to a device which talks to the internet, which talks to a computer on the internet? It's all about how things communicate and how we can do it effectively, because we'll have millions and millions of requests coming through every day. Um, A lot of them are malicious, hackers trying to do bad things. So how can we filter out the good requests and have um, everyone be able to communicate as they want to?
3: That sounds like a really exciting area to to be working in. Did you always know that you wanted to work in
2: that kind of job role? No, I had absolutely no idea. (laughs) I am um, so I did my degree in artificial intelligence and computer science and um, for the longest time I thought I was going to be going into artificial intelligence systems so they have become absolutely huge in the, in the recent years um, but then when I got to Dyson I was kind of assigned a cloud engineer like I came in and that, that's the team that they gave me uh, I didn't really think much of it thought yeah I'll give it a try um, and it turned out to love it and it's super powerful um, but I genuinely think that you could have put me in any software team and I would have thought it was really cool.
3: So, Maddie, you left school, moved into an apprenticeship, one of the most competitive programmes, I think it's fair to say, at Sky. So what was that like for you when you left school? What was your pathway into the apprenticeship?
4: Yes, so apprenticeships are, can be quite competitive. Um, at Sky Sports News, um, I went for the journalism apprenticeship um, and they offered one a year. So naturally, obviously, I thought it's very competitive and I needed to sort of make sure that I was unique and doing lots of different things so that I stood out before going to that assessment day. So it's quite a long process in terms of applying. Um, I did sort of a written application, a telephone interview, an assessment day and then just got very lucky and was offered the role. Um, But I would just say to people, you know, be confident, do your research into the companies um, and don't let anything hold you back.
3: Excellent. So what kind of stuff did you do to prepare, Maddie? What were some of the things that you perhaps uh, got involved in to help to build your CV, to stand out from the competition?
4: Yeah, I, I, I was very lucky that I... Knew that I wanted to work in television when I was about 14. So after the 2012 Olympics, it really made me want to work in television. So from then, I just did anything and everything and thought, how could I make myself unique? I think that's something to really think about. How does your CV stand out from someone else? So, to give a few examples, um, I was a a football qualified referee at Chelsea, Fulham. I was a coach. Um, I did a local radio show. I presented my own show. Um, I did graphics, um, sent my CV out to so many people trying to get opportunities to get my name out there. Um, and again, I'd say to people, just don't let your age hold you back. It's something that my mum said to me when I was going for jobs and interviews. Don't think oh, I'm only 17. I can't go for that job. It's, it's experience regardless if you go for interviews, if you do things. Um, so just, yeah, go for everything.
3: And I was just about to ask what role your parents have had in supporting you and encouraging you, because obviously becoming a referee, I guess not many people do that as, as part of their CV, so, um, and perhaps don't even host a radio show as well. So how involved were your parents, Muddy? How influential were they? And we'd really love to understand if there are any ideas in the way that your parents supported you that other parents and carers listening in might think, oh, I could do that for my child too.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think when I was young, my parents always put academics first. Look, I went to I went to a grammar school. Academics was always in my first mind. My older brother went to Cambridge. They always made sure that we got our grades. But then I think once I decided that I wanted to go into TV um, and I was doing lots of different things. um, I think advice I'd give to parents is just let let your child um, explore and and. I think any experience is is vital. Look, if if they want to be a doctor, you need a medicine degree to get to that. But in the role that I wanted to do, a degree wasn't essential. It was desirable. So I think really have a look and, help them explore, research, look into different companies, uh, look online with them. I remember, you know, in the evenings, me and my mum Googling BBC, ITV, just any opportunities, work experience, whatever it was. Um, and just, yeah, my parents are very sort of positive and very encouraging. Um, and I think, yeah, that's something that hopefully everyone else can sort of be to their children too
3: it sounds like your mum was really encouraging spending that time sitting with you and researching and and it sounds like you were receptive to that as well um as a child and you were willing to take that help from your parents but what if uh, if you're a parent and you're thinking oh, my child probably wouldn't want to take that advice from me where else might they go for that kind of
1: support
4: um and i, I know what it's like some parents are a bit hesitant I think the natural progression once you've gone to school you know that next then you go from primary school to secondary school and sort of the natural progression is university so it can be quite daunting thinking oh what about a plan B and look I did apply for university I had that in my locker just in case I didn't get an apprenticeship. Um, So I think just explore all the different avenues and just do something that makes you happy I think would be the best sort of advice.
3: And keeping options open, like you say, really important. Probably this year more than ever because um, we've we've had such a turbulent time, and perhaps there may be slightly less apprenticeship job opportunities around than we've enjoyed in previous years. So, if that makes it more competitive, if we've got more young people applying for less jobs, then you know it's going to be more competitive. What would your advice be to parents and carers? Any top tips if they're thinking about how they can help their child to explore their options? What would your top piece of advice be for them?
4: In terms of exploring different options, I think look into everything. So university, um, sum up the pros and cons. Uh, Apprenticeships, sum up the pros and cons, you know, gap year even going into a job. Um, I think something that I found really helpful was perhaps if you're not too sure, um, going along to maybe talks, um, watching videos, um, I think also contacting maybe on like LinkedIn, help help your child contact someone, uh, apprentices apprentices already in the roles and get their advice on the on the roles and the jobs that they do. Um, I think, yeah, just just I think there isn't enough work and exploration that you can do just just do as much as you possibly can to research
3: Russell I'll come back to you then and um, how how has university life been through the pandemic because we've seen a huge amount in the media and it's been covered quite well about uh, perhaps how dissatisfied university students are or feeling like they haven't had that true university experience particularly over the last year so what's it been like for you
2: yeah really tough um there's very much this attitude of okay we're here for three years and it's supposed to be some of the best three years of your life um and to have all of the fun stuff taken away from you is really quite sad I still haven't graduated all of the end of year balls and proms that I should be doing with all of my best friends um haven't happened and been called off Yeah, so my course wasn't affected too badly, but depending on what you're doing, it can have huge impacts. So I knew people who were studying biology who had to go into labs every day and they were doing experiments with plants and they just couldn't go in and all their plants died. Uh, So, so, and... People's PhDs have been affected because of this, etc. Uh, but at, at the same time, people have done everything they can to make it better. Uh, so there's been all these really nice stories of them. Um, uh, we recreated the best bars in Sheffield in each of our rooms in the house and did our own bar crawl and uh, put on our own French restaurant nights. And if you have, you, you'll have a really good house probably at uni. And people are generally very close to their housemates and they've chosen to be with them. Um, so you. you got a really good atmosphere and societies will do their best to do online quizzes and online socials and stuff so they, they did their best but it's it's nothing on the real experience that's for sure.
3: Question to both of you actually do either of you have friends who have gone and done something different so not an apprenticeship or going to full-time university and what have they done and, and what's it been like for them?
2: Honestly no everyone's done a uni or apprenticeships <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, okay. I guess uh, gap years in travelling have perhaps been out of the question this past year, particularly.
4: Maddie, can you think of anyone who's done anything a bit different? I mean, sadly, I don't have as many friends as Russell. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, everyone at my school did go to university. Sorry. <laughs> right, but I'll
3: pick up on that point that you just said, Maddie. So when you were at school, you just said kind of most people went to university. Um. So how was it for you kind of not following that traditional pathway and kind of going against the grain, I guess, in the in the path that you decided to follow? What was that like?
4: It was incredibly difficult, um, you know, not to drop my name in it, but I was also head girl of this incredibly grammar school. Everyone went to university. When teachers gave advice, they'd always give advice about university rather than, you know, oh, there's apprenticeships as well. So I was very lucky. I had my mum to help me research. and former CV that would help me stand out um, so naturally it was quite scary and quite daunting um, the teachers that I had were very positive however um, I did have a few teachers who said oh so after your university um, I had a few teachers who said so after your apprenticeship are you going to university and I think there's that common misconception that perhaps apprenticeships aren't as good and look it's great to have a degree um, I, I don't have one but I know how great it is to have one um, so part of my apprenticeship I got a qualification that people take as a master's degree as well so I do have some qualifications with me and I know how scary and daunting it is to break that mould but it's good to stand out and be unique I think.
3: Do you think that um, parents worry about how it might be perceived if their child goes to university decides to do something different do you think there's a kind of peer pressure amongst parents that can sometimes influence the decisions of their
2: children there's definitely a pressure of university prestige and um, those Cambridge and Oxford's down to the Warwick's and Durham's and then the Russell groups, there's kind of almost this hierarchy. Um, and it can be perceived that people go into kind of uh, polys, as they're called, um, and doing subjects that aren't maybe engineering or STEM uh, can be to seem easier to get into. But my brother went to a, a poly and he did a, he did a humanity and has come up with a really, really good job. Um, so there's, you know, there's not this, you will only get a good job if you go to a very prestigious uni and do a STEM degree, Like there are loads of other good options as well.
3: And we hear in the media news about graduates being underemployed, so perhaps getting jobs, but not jobs that are linked to the degree that they've just studied, or that recognise the level that they've studied at as well. So any advice for parents and carers who may have a child who's currently at university? Is there anything that they could do to start to get even more prepared for what for how they can enter the job market on completing their degree?
2: Internships are really, really good summer internships a year internship between years at uni are fantastic i got my job at dyson because i did a summer internship now two summers ago and got a graduate offer based off that so i could go through my final year at uni not worry about job applications not worry about anything other than getting at least a two one to get my job so i would really really gun for any kind of experience in summer even if it's just a few months, makes a huge difference. Other than that, cash your net's really wide. Um, I have a friend who sent out 56 grad job applications and only got a few back. He was going for some very competitive London finance jobs Um, but you, you do have to send out that many job applications if you go for the really competitive ones.
3: And with the internships, how did that work, Russell? Fantastic that you were able to use that internship to line up a job opportunity for at the end of your degree. Did the university do that? Did you have to do it off of your own back? How did that happen?
2: Yeah, so I found Dyson through a careers fair at uni. So our students union was really good at getting career career Ash Students Union was really good at getting employees in and they just have these huge fairs with uh, dozens of stalls. So I literally just walked around and went to the ones that I thought were interesting and definitely do go to those. Because when I spoke to the Dyson stall, uh, I pretty much went up there, said, oh, you know, I've heard of you guys. It sounds really cool. Had a chat with them, um, and after we had a good chat, he said, "Oh, i What's your name? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your name down, as if there's some kind of shortlist that friendly people get on, I suppose. Uh, but it's possible that that was one of the things that led to me getting in on the internship. Um, and had I not gone to that careers fair, I would never have considered Dyson as a software company. I, I wouldn't have thought to apply to them. So if there are those opportunities to go to these fairs, definitely take them. Talk to everyone." Um, And don't be too uptight, just be friendly and have a good chat with them. That's what they really want to see.
3: So did you do anything particular to prepare for that careers fair so that you would make a really good impression when you were speaking with employers?
2: Yeah, questions like being very, let's think, did I prepare for the career fair? I went in with a very clear idea of what I wanted. So would I be happy with a three-month internship, a six-month internship, or a year-long internship? Uh, Would there be accommodation provided? Would it be paid? Having all these questions in advance rather than getting there and thinking of something on the spot definitely helped but also being open-minded to companies that you probably wouldn't think to apply to. You haven't heard of the vast majority of companies. So go in there with an open mind. I wouldn't, it, it can be good to look at the list of companies that will be there and a mentally shortlist the ones you want to talk to, but also just talk to everyone. Excellent. So what does the future look
3: for you, Russell? Where do you see your career going? Do you think you'll stay with Dyson? Is there a good progression pathway for you there? Yeah,
2: it's very open at the moment. I'm uh, I'm looking for a job which is both people-focused and technology-focused, and I hope Dyson can give that to me, um, but there's definitely a part of me that just wants to move to California and work in Silicon Valley or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, and that sounds like living the dream thank you Russell so Maddie at Sky I believe they have discovery days where potential apprentices get the chance to come in meet some of the employees take a look behind the scenes what's a discovery day like at Sky?
4: Yes I'd say the discovery days and the insight days are invaluable you get to go along meet lots of different people at the company so current apprentices graduates and people who are full-time even presenters are there um, it's a really good event so you can ask questions and get to know where the sky is right for you um, you can connect i think connections in any job sector is essential um keep emails of everyone get emails get contact details and pester people send emails say thank you for your advice and follow up and don't worry if you think that you're pestering them because that's the only way to get your foot in the door sometimes um, and i remember a content con- I remember at one of the Insight days, a girl came up and she was uh, got. She got my contact details, and she's now the apprentice at Sky Sports News. So I think definitely making those connections are really important and invaluable.
3: Just possibly have a good idea of what it's like to be at university, and um, and I think Russell's helped to paint a really vivid picture of some of that fun side of university as well. Maddy, what's a typical day like for you, and um, what kind of tasks are you now responsible for? Which kind of people do you get to meet and work with as well?
4: I think the common misconception of an apprenticeship is that you'll just be making the teas and coffees, but it's far—it's further from the truth. So, an average day for me, um, I work very different shift times. However, if that's not possible for you, it's not a problem. So. An average day, in all honesty, I get up at 1am to get to Sky at 3am to start my night shift. Um, we edit all the picture that you see. We decide how we're going to tell stories. So whether that's Man City have won the Champions League, whatever it... Oh, wait, hold on. No, no, no. Wait, because I'm a Chelsea fan. Sorry, let me start again. Let me start <laughs> wait, Okay. An average day for me at Sky Sports News is that I, in all honesty, I'd get up at 1am to get to Sky at 3am in the morning. Um, We decide how are we going to tell a story, so whether that's exciting picture, social media, scripting, graphics. Um, We look at all the different stories and approach how we're gonna tell them and entertain our viewers. Um, In terms of people that we meet, of course, all the Sky Sports News presenters are there. Your Jim White, Bella Shah, Emma Payton, Mike Wedderburn, Hayley McQueen, they're all there. And on good occasions, there'll be some fun, some celebrity faces. Um, We've had Love Islanders, we've had footballers, cricketers, singers um aj tracy it's it's a quite a breadth, um and oh sorry aj tracy the rapper Sorry, <laughs> can't have <laugh> it out <laughs> um a wide breadth of people that we meet and it's very lucky and something that i'm very grateful for and i enjoy getting up every day to go to work no matter what time it is
3: thanks maddie gosh a 1am uh, wake up call is super early in the morning isn't it for parents and carers listening in today who may have a child who is at a decision making point this summer and ready to move on to their next step what would your words of advice be for them and
4: maddie my top tips that i would give any parents looking to support their child would be to sit them down and explore all the different opportunities with them so what experiences can you help them gain uh, whether that's work experience whether that's jobs whether that's connections online in LinkedIn, whatever it is, hopefully it combine both their interests so that they're happy and also hopefully open a couple of doors for their future. I think also help them craft the perfect CV. Naturally, it's something that a young child doesn't know how to do. So I think that's something to help them and and navigate them. Um, I'd also recommend to research all the different companies and all the different options at a young age you're not too sure what to do you're at a crossroads and do you go to university gap year apprenticeship whatever it might be so really support them on that journey and also I'd encourage your child and also I'd suggest that you encourage your child to be unique and don't be scared to break the mold because that's how you can go on to succeed
2: My advice is that both options are really good and I know people who have gone down the university route and the apprenticeship route and have really enjoyed what they've done. Don't feel pressure or pressure your child to do one or the other. It's a very personal thing and it depends on their personality which they will liken to. So support them and help them to see all of their opportunities but ultimately they know best and it's up to them.
3: Maddy and Russell, you have been fantastic today. It's been really brilliant to hear about your experiences and your background. Thank you for sharing so openly with us and the very best of luck for all that you go on to do. Yeah,
2: thanks for having us. Thank,
3: thank, you.
4: thank you. Thank you so much.
0: So that's it for another episode. Please do subscribe and switch on your notifications as well as recommend to your friends and family and perhaps even leave us a review. Join me next week when we'll be talking to the NHS and two more young people who will be sharing their experiences of the world of work. Don't forget, it's time for your perspective to count.